This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hi, my name is Peter Tomasi. Hi, this is James Hyman the Fourth. Hi, I'm Dan Jurgen. Hey, I'm Duffy Wynn. This is Jim Lee. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Mark Hamill speaking. This is Kevin Conroy. This is Tim Sale. Hello, everyone. I'm Batman, and you're listening to my podcast. Hello and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast Season 13, Episode 11. I'm your host, Ian, and I have with me... This is Steph. And this is Theo. Today we have two exciting Batman comics to cover and uh, just a little bit of news. So we have the announcement that creator of the Fables long-running series is actually Bill Willingham. And he is coming back to Fables after about six or seven years. He ended that series, I think, in 2013, 2014. And he's bringing it back first with a crossover starting in September called Batman vs. Bigby. So uh, Batman, of course, our friend. And Bigby is the big bad wolf in human form. And they're going to have some kind of fantastical colliding with each other. And it is going to be in gotham but we don't know if it's our gotham or if it's some kind of parallel gotham and the preview pages that were released indicate that there's going to be multiple robins including a certain blonde female robin which makes me very happy who (laughs) (laughs) we also have the eisner award nominations uh our batman writer james tynan the fourth was nominated for best writer for 2020 and Greg Rucka and Eduardo Russo Risso were nominated for Best Story for the short piece they did for Detective Comics 1027 last year, which was um, about the GCPD and the struggles of fighting for justice in a corrupt system. So those are very nice little recognitions for the Batman universe producing high-quality content for the comics world. Lots of good competition, so I don't know if they will win, but I would certainly think both of them would be well-deserved. That's it for news. We don't have solicits this week. I have no idea if we're going to have them in two weeks because DC's been extremely irregular. But once we have solicitations, we will, of course, comment on the Batman stuff. Fear State's coming in September, so I'm expecting a lot of announcements about that. In the meantime, let's get started on our reviews, starting with Batman. I am vengeance. I am the knight. number 109 written by james tynan the fourth illustrated by jorge jimenez and colored by tomu more in the future batman continues to struggle against scarecrow's toxin breaking free of his restraints and fleeing in the present bruce sheds his match malone disguise rattled by miracle molly's passion and contacts barbara gordon eating a taco in the clock tower who tells him that Scarecrow is working 
Gotham up into a state of frenzy without any fear toxin used. Batman heads to infiltrate St. Industries Tower as Ghostmaker shows Harley his skyscraper imitation Batcave. Ghostmaker reveals that he is a psychopath who has set himself the challenge of fixing the world instead of satisfying his own desires. They practice with swords, the sexual tension thick, when Bella Garten, also known as the Gardener, approaches, telling them that Ivy is hiding beneath the city, threatening to destroy it completely and missing something, as seen in the Catwoman run currently. Oracle interrupts to tell Ghostmaker that Batman needs assistance as Batman faces down Simon Saint and the new Peacekeeper One. Saint reveals his plan to frame the Unsanity Collective with a massive bombing, which goes off as Batman and Peacekeeper clash. Questions? Do you think Batman is the focus of this story, The Cowardly Lot? Uh, And specifically this issue, of course. I think it's evenly split. It's bookended by Batman's story, and in the middle is whatever is going on with Harley and Ghostmaker and the Gardener. Harley's nemesis. Just kidding. I mean, I don't think it's 100%. I mean, obviously not 100% focused on him, but it's the Batman book, and it's about Batman and Harley and uh, what's-his-butt. Ghostmaker are there because of Batman, doing things because of Batman. So, I mean, yeah, it's Batman-focused, I guess. Yeah, I'm going to say that I think that the whole purpose of the whole Harley Ghostmaker thing is simply to set up Queen Ivy uh, and, of course, reintroduce the Gardener. Do I think he, you know, it, it, Batman was the main character? Well, of course, it's his book. But, you know, I, I do like the setup that they are, that JT is doing with regards to prepping us for for the Queen Ivy arc that is soon to come. And I think that's what, that's going to be in Fear State, right? That's what it looks like, because she's got a big cover appearance. Yeah, so, you know, I, I, I think... That was the only purpose of that, is just to start sowing those seeds, pun intended. Good one. I don't know. I think that last issue was a lot, of, was focused, despite the fact that it was all about Miracle Molly, like there was so much connected to Batman. You know, he had to face the question of would he like to be a Batman without a past? Would he like to be free of his trauma? Whereas this issue, he's kind of like, he. He calls Oracle and then he punches Peacekeeper. And I will admit, I think that the ending where, you know, he um, cuts a hole in the floor and then rushes at Peacemaker, that was awesome. That was classic Batman action. Um, But I feel like all the revelations and conversation between Harley and Ghostmaker had a lot more creativity and character development. Um, So I don't know. I... I like it, but I do understand why some people might criticize it as being not quite as Batman-focused as they might like. Yes, but if you're wanting books with more characters with more to do than just be window dressing, you have to give them the screen time. And when a book has got limited pages and limited panels for it to mean anything, I feel like Batman has to take backstage sometimes, and I think that's okay. If people don't like that, they should just go read Old Batman, where he is always the center and he has no family and blah, blah, blah. I think my 
only issue, and I, and I know I've said it before in a previous episode, is I am not liking the idea of Crane being the big, big bad. I mean, it is. I just don't see him being a level like that. And so I still haven't connected with that aspect of the story. That's a very good point. I have always been operating under the assumption that Crane is not the big bad. Maybe I'm wrong, but I mean, Fear State does seem to indicate that he's going to be a big bad. But I think that there's something deeper and darker going on, even than the Magistrate and Scarecrow. I think that something is going to build up from this. Because I keep, as I'm reading this, I'm wondering how is he going to end up being a doctor at Arkham studying Harley? He's got to come, it's not full circle, but like half circle. (laughs) Um, How's he going to end up on the side of the Magistrate as a sane person? Who knows? Interesting questions. We'll have to keep an eye on that. What do you think of the Queen Ivy plotline and the introduction of the gardener, her college girlfriend, who seems to have some kind of similar plant control, but obviously not as much as Ivy? If Ivy ends up being a big deal in Batman, which would be cool because she's a big deal in Catwoman, so it would be nice if they got connected. But, but yeah, it's in Catwoman. It, huh? I was saying spoilers, they are. <gasps> I didn't know that! But, we talked so about I her on solicits last week. Um, yeah, we solicits. I don't pay attention to solicits. Um, we talked about it. You were there. Oh, no, you weren't there. That's right. <gasps> I was, well, I edited, but oh, I, I was sick. I was sick while I was editing, so it was <laughs> a miracle it got done at all. But, um... No, she's in she's in uh, Batman. She's in Catwoman, and Har- but the thing is, Harley also has her own book. And if this is like meant as a message for Ivy special, it did seem a little disruptive doing it in the Batman story. But if you're doing it because it is going to be big in the Batman, then I'm fine with it. And like I said, I didn't pay attention to the solicits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am. I am okay with. With the setup again, I didn't focus as much on the gardener being there, other than being just another plot tool to bring us down that 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 line to get us to the to the Queen Ivy story. But you know, I do appreciate you know knowing what that the story is coming that we're now seeing. I'll say that word again: the seeds being laid out. <laughs> that's going to eventually bring us there. I am just so curious because Queen Ivy was hinted at in uh, Joker War Zone, obviously. And this is directly following that because we saw at the end of Joker War Zone, um, she was lit- setting down roots deep in Gotham City. And now we have Gardner saying that those roots could um, you know, co- collapse huge sections of the city. Um. And I just wonder how long uh, James Tynan's going to be able to be on the book, because he said he's got a three-year plan. Um, we currently don't know if he's going to get a one-year plan, a two-year plan, or a three-year plan. I hope he gets as much as he needs. But it feels like we're coming to the not only the conclusion, but the climax of both the Queen Ivy and the, uh, the Magistrate plotline stuff. So 
it's times like this I wish we had sales numbers as we used to do with yeah. Comic Con. I know that's 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 a that's a nerve for Steph. But you know as long as the sales are good, Tynan can be on that book just as long as Snyder was on Batman, what was that, five years? Yeah. Well, and Tom uh, King was also on five years. Yeah. And, you know, so as long as the sales are there, you know, JT's going to be there. But, you know, we 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 don't know because we don't see those numbers anymore because mm-hmm. Luna doesn't want to report them. Well, there's also the problem that, um, well, not a problem. We know some things. Like Tynan's newsletter said that the Miracle Molly issue sold like 200,000 copies, which is absurd. And it was mostly because of new character speculation and massive variants. If you actually go on League of Comic Geeks, you can see just how many variants they're pumping out for Batman right now. But I don't know. I don't know if they're going to keep doing that. How is uh, the Ghostmaker Harley relationship for you in this issue? And do you ship it? I'll answer the second question. No, not particularly. Um, oh, but they're both but... So hot. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, but then I'll answer your first question. They do seem to be hinting at it. I, I feel like if they're anything, they're going to be coworkers with benefits. <laughs> I, I don't see it being an actual relationship, but Harley seems open to it. <laughs> and we we know from backups that um, Ghostmaker is 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 all over it so i wouldn't be surprised i wouldn't be put off i wouldn't be shocked i don't care either way though because it wouldn't be a meaningful relationship because at least he is a psychopath and has no feelings and he just anyway i'll go into that later when we talk about ghostmaker later answering the second question first no i would not (laughs) ship it now i feel like i have to ship it um but <laughs> shut up. <laughs> but again, like I said earlier, I think the whole premise of teasing that was just to start to set up Harley's return to Ivy because if if you notice, yeah, she was hinting at accepting the idea of, of flinging with Ghostmaker, but once the once the gardener arrives and she mentions, you know, Ivy's missing something and, he, and she's missing her, you know. Yeah, I, I just don't see it. I just think in the end that was just the plot used to bring that bring Queen Ivy to us. And if that's the case, I'm okay with it. I certainly ship Ivy um, Ghostmaker more than I ship like Ivy Rick Flag from Suicide Squad Rebirth. <laughs> that was a weird ship. I do not understand that ship at all. I I do like the potential of even like a friends with benefits type relationship just because they're both very smart and both observant of each other's flaws. And so I think that has the benefit of being entertaining to look at at least. Um also, as I said, they are hot because um, they're drawn by Jorge Jimenez and he draws very hot people. I don't know, though. I don't know if I really... I definitely don't see it long-term because clearly... I mean, Stephanie yeah. Phillips, writer of Harley Quinn, said that they're really pushing towards a Harley Ivy um, storyline. I'm worried about that because 
I like how they're doing Harley, you know, struggling to become a better person and to uh, redeem herself for all the people she hurt and killed. I don't like uh, acting like Poison Ivy hasn't hurt and killed lots of people. Um, That really bothers me because she has been a villain. And I think that that should be acknowledged. I don't mind her becoming an anti-hero or even semi-heroic but i think it needs to be shown i don't think you can just say oh she is now a hero i think that's cheating um they do go out of their way to make sure you remember ivy's an eco-terrorist her friend is an eco-terrorist they're both eco-terrorists yeah but you have to like the the thing that i really like about um the batman annual number five that i mentioned before is that you see harley acting in a way that directly gets two innocent people Um, clown hunters parents killed like you see the consequences and i think you need to see the consequences of ivy as well because otherwise she doesn't need to be redeemed she's just you know kind of eccentric rather than a villain and i think that's shallow writing so i think that if you take a character like ivy who has a long history of being a villain you have to build towards a redemption you can't just declare that she is redeemed and move from there i think that's that's not the kind of writing that makes for a long satisfying storyline with a character so um that was a long way of saying i like the way that Ghostmaker brings out this side of harley i wouldn't mind them having a, a short relationship but definitely not going to be a long-term thing um let's uh move on to our Ghostmaker backup this is again written by james tyne the fourth and it's drawn by ricardo ortiz ghostmaker uses the laser eye tiger head that he uh decapitated last issue to destroy the three giant cobras attacking him on madame midas's island and brainstorm chooses to leave madame midas's company telling the story of his creation through vile drug experiments giving him enormous psychic powers and how ghostmaker stopped him for five years in a confrontation in which ghostmaker used uh, his brain and technology to figure out brainwave uh, brainstorms weaknesses and then stabbed him with an ice pick in the brain. What do you think about uh, Ghostmaker's fight with Brainstorm and what it says about Ghostmaker's morality? I liked this a lot better because I feel like the only way you could sympathize with Kid Kawaii was that she was designed to look like a child, but she's still a killer robot. So and really I didn't, creepy with all that goo. And really creepy with the goo and the teeth. I didn't. I didn't get anything from that. But this one is a way more. You you can empathize way more with this guy. His his he was experimented on as a kid. He he wanted to take it out. And Ghostmaker even says is like, dude, if you had just stopped at killing the people who hurt you, I wouldn't have come after you. <laughs> um, very eye for an eye there. But he has since expanded his uh, repertoire of murder victims and is killing other people. And so Ghostmaker is very, not, no, no, we don't do that. Um, So it really made me think, especially with his explanation of his psychosis in the Batman issue, is that, and one thing I've been learning about, is that there are some people who don't have certain filters intrinsically installed (laughs) when they're uh, born that they need to learn how to human. They need to they need to study the 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 I don't know what we'd call it like the program or the the morality or the script of being a human. 
and that's something just a lot of 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 mental illnesses just you have to do if you want to appear normal or at least not get arrested <laughs> like these uh ghost maker has potential to and so i feel like he he understands what's right because he's learned it and so for things like if brain master whatever his name brain brain maker brain brainstorm brainstorm so brainstorm you know if he had just stopped at killing the people that hurt him i think ghostmaker would have been like oh well okay so from what i know of morality that's probably not the best but you know an eye for an eye tooth for a tooth whatever these scientists did kill children they experimented on children that's no bueno right but then he he goes on to kill other people and so now ghostmaker knows go you know looks at his script and he's like oh well no no you can't kill other people for money that's not good either um so it's it's very black and white because he has no feelings to dissuade him one way or the other it's 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 kind of like uh, javert from uh les Miserables. he's he's only just so he's almost like a more extreme version of batman if you think about it in a weird way well i definitely think that's part of the purpose yeah so uh, i think he's he's interesting i think his desire or at least his his need for justice is is very very interesting justice without mercy or feelings although he does have mercy towards kid Kawhi, he doesn't destroy her that's true and that's what i don't understand (laughs) because she's creepy and she's a robot but whatever Maybe that's why he feels for her, is, is she can't feel either, and maybe he gets that, but whatever. Yeah, so Steph said a lot there, and, you know, <laughs> and and it was a lot of good stuff, and, you know, everyone knows that I have not been completely connected. I haven't been connected at all to any of the Ghostmaker backups, and while that still remains the case, I did find myself somewhat sympathetic to Brainstorm's origin and and how he came to be. But, of course, as as Steph mentioned, you know, he didn't stop there. And, you know, because he didn't, he got what he wanted. I mean, he got what he deserved. And it's just... It's just hard for me to invest in the story that I can't connect with, and I still haven't found that connection with Ghostmaker. I don't, I, I don't know if that will ever happen. He's just not a character I deal with for some reason. I think that makes a lot of sense. Ghostmaker, I've, I've really gone up and out. This is the third of the backups focused on him and i really didn't like the first one because it's just like ooh, look ghostmaker's all sexy and having threesomes and <laughs> jumping out of planes i'm just like i i don't care but then the second one i actually did like that he was trying to have mercy on someone who'd been warped by programming and on in this one he he lays out a, an interesting system of justice where uh, as Steph said, an eye for an eye is acceptable, but then hiring yourself out as a killing machine is not. And so I, I do find him interesting. And it's kind of funny because the kind of like skills he has where he's like ripping off robot laser tigers and shooting giant snakes, like that's the kind of thing we expect to see Batman doing. 
Um, so he is kind of like taking that Batman wild action spot. I, I'm intrigued. Uh, and I think that it's asking interesting questions. And I think that it's still very much in that uh, horror slash manga uh, field of just like wacky wild powers and crazy, crazy enemies and big fights every issue that James Tynan is trying to draw on that audience. And I'm very curious to know if it's working. But I don't know. I'm still puzzled. I'm still not quite sure. I'm still intrigued. I'm definitely not turned off by Ghostmaker, except for that first story with him. But neither am I. I haven't connected to him the same way I connected to uh, Punchline or Clown Hunter. Let us give our ratings. So one of the things that we learned in this issue is that uh, Ghostmaker has his own rival Batcave. And instead of a Tyrannosaurus Rex, (laughs) he has a Spinosaurus because he's cooler. (laughs) So out of five Spinosauruses, what would you rate Batman number 109? Oh, my gosh. Uh, three, three and a half, my go-to rating for not out of this world, but definitely solid and worth reading and continuing a very good story. And I don't think that's a taco. I think that's like a tomato gyro, which is really weird. Because there's a lot of tomatoes on whatever that is that maybe, Barbara is eating. Maybe Barbara likes tomatoes. It's like a veggie taco. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. It's like, whatever. It's like a ketchup taco. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> not quite three, three and a half for me, but it's not a three either. So I am going to go down the middle and say three point <laughs> two five. I am also going to go three point five with Steph. Um, let me do a quick check. No, no, no. <laughs> Scott also gave it a three point five. <laughs> And that gives us a total of 3.44, the mode of 3.5. Because Theo so, got to be the contrarian. This is an above average, but not knock your socks off comic. We recommend it. Whether you are a first time TBU Comics podcast listener, a 13 year veteran, or anything in between, we'd love to hear what you think about this episode or any of the comics we discussed. Send emails to tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net. Join our Discord server linked at thebatmanuniverse.net. Send us a tweet at tbu underscore comics. Or if you're a patron, leave us a comment on our Patreon page. We'd also love it if you left us a review on iTunes. We'd love to read your comments on the next episode of the Batman Universe Comics Podcast. Batman may claim he works alone, but we know that he needs the Bat Family. Join the TVU Bat Family and let us know what you think. Detective Comics, number 1037, story one. The Neighborhood, Part 4, written by Mariko Tamaki, art by Victor Bogdanovich. Hunters calls into Oracle for assistance after the death of Neil Betterman, one of Mayor Nakano's assistants. She asks Oracle to identify any similar cases to help in Huntress's and Batman investigation. Oracle, in turn, asks Huntress for the whereabouts of Batman after hearing the word of the death of Bruce Wayne's neighbor, Lydia. The police are looking to question him. As they talk, Bruce arrive, arrives back at the Fort Gay, Fort Gray neighborhood, where Deb Donovan gives him the news of the neighbor's death. 
As she talks to Bruce, he is approached by two GCP officers who escorts him to the Fort Gray precinct, where he's questioned by two detectives. Little does Bruce know that the interrogation is being watched by the mayor. As Nakano watched the questioning, Mr. Wirt pushes past Hugh, another of Nakano's assistants. Mr. Wirt demands to know why he was not told that Bruce Wayne was a person of interest in the death of his daughter. Nakano attempts to calm the father, but is of no use as Mr. Wirt storms from the office, vowing to hold the mayor accountable for what happens. Nakano checks on Hugh, who leaves to get some fresh air. As Hugh leaves City Hall, Oracle relays the information she's been able to gather on Neil's death and those like it, including that of Sarah's boyfriend. As they talk, Hugh makes his way into an alley, following a man who is holding a phone conversation. The guy takes exception to Hugh's eavesdropping, but Hugh has no interest in the phone call. He's interested in the man. He attacks him, revealing he is more than to be expected. Bruce Wayne has been arrested as a suspect in the death of Sarah Ward. He asks to use the phone to contact his lawyer, but is told to wait. He realizes that he is alone in the precinct. He uses his watch to tap into the signal of the camera in his cell, where he sees Mr. Ward standing outside with a rocket launcher. Mr. Wirt launches it at the police station. Bruce survives the blast, only to find himself face-to-face with his would-be executioner. Bruce attempts to plead his innocence to Mr. Wirt, but he is unsuccessful. Wirt fires a gun and chases Bruce into the sewers. He calls for Bruce to come out and face him. He gets Batman instead. What do you think about the shift from Dan Mora to Victor Bogdanovich? Oh. Well, I don't remember. It's it's comparable. I liked it. It's maybe a little more scratchy, but my my standard is what does scruffy face Bruce look like? Does he look good? Good. Then it's good. Um, so I would say a little more liney, a little more real scratchy maybe, but uh, I think it's 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 not a jarring shift, I don't think. Yeah, clearly there's there's a difference in between the two styles, and I used I used the word rougher mm. when when comparing Bogdanovich's art to Morris. You know, Morris is, is far smoother in in his pen strokes and his pencil strokes. So, but. The art was still very good. And I think, and I've said it in my reviews, every issue thus far, I think what makes it easier to to the eye more than the pencils, which is which has been great, which have been great in every issue with Mora and this one, but it's been the colors. And I think mm. the consistency of the colors from Jody Belair has just has just made it so much better and it's and it's so much so that it's not just that she's doing it in the main stories she's doing it in the backups as well and i think this was the first issue where she didn't do the colors for all of the backups but i think 
that consistency with the colors make any shift in pencils easier to swallow. Yeah, I'd agree. I think that um, the colors definitely give us a sense of the same universe. Um, it's definitely noticeable. Uh, Bruce and Huntress do look different, even though they're wearing the same clothes and costume. Um, I like uh, Victor Bogdanovic. I sort of like David Finch and Tony Daniel are very similar to Jim Lee. I look at Victor Bogdanovic and Gleb Melnikov, who's currently on Robin, as being very similar to Greg Capullo. So um, it's definitely very stylistic and cool, and the build to the huge... Uh, splash page of the RPG hitting the jail and just this wave of fire is quite well done. Uh, very good storytelling there. But I do kind of prefer Dan Mora just because I think he's yeah. he's like just a little bit better. He's got that finesse about him. Who wouldn't? Uh, I know. <laughs> um, what do you think is up with Mr. Vile? Oh my gosh. He's either the source of the crazy, creepy, slimy tear monster <laughs> or or he is insane. Like, who does that? Who takes out the police station and who caters to that? Like, the cops buggered out. They knew what was happening. No, no, no. Mr. Vile, not Mr. Worth. Oh, Mr. Vile. Well, whatever. Mr. Worth is. Mr. Yes, Mr. Will. I don't like Mr. Worth. So that's who I was going off on. <laughs> Mr. Vile. Whatever. Vampire man. Who cares? Slime monster. They'll figure it out. (laughs) But Mr. Worth is a human being walking around in a civilized country with a RPG. Who does that? Uh, Mr. Worth does, obviously. (laughs) Mr. Worth, yes. (laughs) I don't think there should be enough money in the world that you should be able to get away with crap like that. They should have arrested him the moment. Like, there's no way there's you have a license for that. Whatever. But I think we see with the way he's so connected to the mayor, just how much power he has. Like he's not just like rich; he's also like he's pulling strings in the mayor's office, which is makes me mad. Makes me mad. I think we're supposed to be mad. Yeah. Well, the slime mile vile whatever generic monster guy. He'll get caught. People will die. Well, we don't know that though, because actually, Mister Vile is going to be free during the um batman secret files huntress uh one shot next month um so what if what if vile uh takes out mr worth (gasps) that would be fine he can do that (laughs) i'm wondering i'm wondering when i'm about hugh is whether or not he is the source of the parasite or he was a host that actually survived the infiltration of the parasite. Like more, well, if you notice, everyone else that, that was infected died. Mm-hmm. Neil you know, and Neil and, and Sarah's boyfriend and the eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm wondering, <laughs> I'm wondering if perhaps he was infected as well and, and just, the parasite took hold, but I, I think as the story goes on, you know, it, it may lead to the notion that no, he is the source of the parasite. But just a thought. Yeah, good thought. I could see it working either way. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm mostly curious about this thing 
Because we know that he's going to give Huntress powers of some sort. But all we've seen him do so far is just munch on people. So, um, <laughs> he's kind of tears. generically creepy. He looks like uh, the bad guys in uh, the Blade movies. The, the super vampires with their weird jaws. Um, so, I don't know. Uh, I'm intrigued. But I, I do agree that um, our next question is, how do you like the confrontation between Mr. Worth and Batman in the sewer? So, Steph, oh. before we start, can we just, like, <laughs> insert what you just said into this part right here? That's a thing. Well, I wasn't talking about the sewers. I don't actually care as much about the sewers other than the stupid man. Ugh, stupid man. <laughs> At least now he's unarmed. He only had the one RPG, and so now Batman can punch the crap out of him, but... Um, there really isn't that much confrontation. There's just the one punch, right? Well, so far. I mean, I guess he's... Yeah. I like that Mr. Worth had the superhero foam landing in the sewer. That was actually pretty badass. <laughs> I think but, he's a kind uh, of a worthwhile villain. Like, he's he's a challenge and uh, a I was, real threat. I was, I was concerned about the idea of another creation as a villain considering the rogues gallery already but i have been pleasantly surprised at how how good he's being presented as as a bad guy that you can somehow be sympathetic for as well considering why he's doing it yeah, now I <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, we get a little bit more about him in the backup, but I, I have been pleasantly surprised with how how I've accepted uh, Mr. Worth as, as a bad guy for Bruce. But with the confrontation itself, I, I'm going to go a little bit beyond that because I think it was it was a a good setup that's going to take us to the next issue but what i enjoyed most about the confrontation and the issue of the story itself is that the confrontation was with bruce wayne and not with batman you didn't get mm-hmm. batman until that very last panel and mm-hmm. and that was that more than anything is what i have absolutely been loving about what tamaki has been doing in detective and i even put in my review in this story batman the character the hero only appears at the very end when he approaches bogdanovich and then one panel in the front everything else was about Bruce Wayne and to just be able to tell a very good Batman story that focuses on Bruce Wayne as the lead. It's just been so good. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Scruffy Bruce. Scruffy Bruce. <laughs> well, Tynan really loves Scruffy Bruce and I wonder if he's kind of making everyone go along with it. Because <laughs> um, all through Batman Eternal, his first big project, he's like, "Yes, Batman has to be scruffy the entire time." <laughs> um, I think Mister Worth. I-, I think that you've both really nailed it. He's a new villain who is 
believable and he's a good foil for a detective story rather than necessarily a superhero super villain story although there is of course the powers of mr worth uh vile but he's just this huge guy who's got huge money and a huge ego huge rage that he's taking out on everything and it's i think it's effective i think it's really well done I think that's one reason that I, I don't like him in a good way, like in a in a villain hating kind of way. Right. Is is I don't like angry people. I don't like people who are fueled by anger. They scare me because it's real. Because as a woman, I have to be aware that angry men can kill me <laughs> if they want to. And so and so an angry man is just honestly one of the real life fears that that there are. And so I mean not that angry women can't hurt people. Well, but if you look at the way Mr. Worth's drawn, he's huge. He's bigger than Batman. He's Batman's huge. a very large man. So, but I, not, not. I agree. Not to spoil, not no, not to jump too far ahead since it's going to be covered. You know, coming up in the second story, I think a lot has happened toward now. Yeah, he he's definitely in the know with regards to the to the underworld and everything. But I think there's, and as we see in that second story, things happen to him that kind of makes him the angry guy. He's already a tough businessman. He's already shrewd. But other things occur that really makes him just, I'll, I'll call it the fallen down type of mad where you know he you know once something affects him negatively he he will destroy the world if need be that was a good movie too i'd recommend it all right let's move on to our first backup the gotham gazette article story number two exclusive gotham has heart written by mariko tamaki with art by carl mustard the gotham Gazette presents this exclusive story from staff writer Deb Donovan. She discusses the changes that have come to the city and how the changes have or have not altered the elite of the city. She expresses her disbelief in the elite's commitment to the city as she attends a fundraiser for the pediatric wing of the hospital. As she leaves the event with a bottle of wine in tow, she is nearly run over, causing her to drop the wine. So much for that. Do you like Deb Donovan more or less after reading her work? I guess a little more. I didn't dislike her before. She seemed decently on the path towards the truth and not caring so much about being PC. But um, yeah, I like her just fine. I feel like I feel like the story was a little long. I got I got podcast vibes from the punchline story flashbacks <laughs> but yeah so other than it being a little long it was it was I, li- I liked her it was fine so i thought this i think that's pretty much what i thought as well i think that um as a as an idea it's a good one you have deb set up as a reporter she's got a great voice but i don't think it needed to be quite as long as it was i think it mm-hmm. could have been maybe three or four pages. Well, I don't know. Maybe it was four pages, but maybe a page shorter than it was. Um, it seemed very long. <laughs> yeah. 
but it was good. It definitely wasn't bad. No. I saw I I saw in this story confirmation of what I thought about Deb from when she was first introduced back a few issues ago. You know, cuz even back then she she had her doubts about you know where the city was going, what Nakano was going to be able to do, and we just get we just get confirmation of this. I also think she has a little bit of a drinking problem. <laughs> uh, <You're> right, <laughs> because in that in that first issue when he shows up for the party, she just snatches the bottle of whiskey away from him, mm-hmm. and so never to be seen again. And now here it is; she's trying to steal a bottle of wine as well, and it doesn't end well for. Her. And our last backup. Three minutes, written by John Ridley. Art by Dustin Wynn. At a Gotham construction site, Batman and Robin, and this is Dick Grayson, come under heavy gunfire from some arms dealers that they've tracked down. The only thing between them and certain death is the armor of the Batmobile. Batman reveals in for assistance from Alfred and Lucius Fox, who has just been told of Bruce Wayne's other job. Batman needs help to get out of this sticky situation and does not see the GCPD being of any help. Lucius is unsure what he could be to assist, but Alfred and Batman have faith in the newest member of the team. Lucius comes up with the idea of using the Batmobile system to generate an EMP to take out the assailant's electrical system that were helping them to aim. The EMP works, but they lose communications with Batman for about three minutes. During this time, Lucian qu- Lucius questions Batman's methods, particularly as it pertains to exposing young Dick Grayson to his crime-fighting world. Alfred counters this argument in explaining how Bruce saved Dick from a darker life he was heading towards. He assures Fox that Bruce would give his life for Robin. Batman returns to the comms and thanks Lucius for the assist. Lucius decides that he will stick around, but he's not doing it for Batman. He's doing it for Dick Grayson and any other child Batman brings into his world. So what was the purpose of this short story? I really appreciated this story because my big problem, every time we've been reading a Fox family story is how, how is Lucius feeling? Like we, we knew he was probably pretty messed up from, (laughs) from, uh, you know, the Joker, Jokerization, but he just really seemed not, not disloyal to Bruce, but really kind of ready to distance himself. And he's always been kind of just portrayed as this decently one dimensional character who, does what Bruce wants and is Bruce's cue or whatever, right? And so this really added a bit more dimension. It's like, I don't really like what you're doing. <laughs> and it, I, for me, it went a long way into explaining how, how Lucius was able to distance himself, take Bruce's money, and none of it, like, meanly or selfishly or greedily, just almost seemed ready to take away the toys so Batman isn't so available to hurt people. I don't know. 
don't know. I, I liked it because it added more layers to Lucia's. Exactly. Absolutely. I love this story exactly for that. So as I've covered most of what really, well, I've covered everything really has been doing with regards to the Fox family going back to Future State. And every time, you know, as as Steph mentioned, you know, we, we want to know more about who the Fox family is, who Lucius is. And I think this story just adds more to the knowledge that we've we've gained. This is the more this is the most that we have learned about the Fox family in years. And he and really has just been pulling back the layers and pulling back the layers. So if you look at the next Batman, it, it, it's just a lot of stuff out there. But when you get to Future State, you see certain things about Lucius that makes you get a different thought about him. Then you get to this story and it just peels it back a little bit more. And I absolutely love that because as Steph said, you know, for the longest you know, Lucius Fox was just this one-dimensional character. He was Bruce Wayne's right hand when it came to, to Wayne Tech and Wayne Enterprises. And now we are just le- we have just learned so much more from John Riley as as he continues to write this adventure of the Fox family. And as much as, you know, Jace is the cornerstone of his his story becoming the next Batman. He has done a great job of of peeling back the layers and and teaching us and and revealing to us a little bit more about the Fox family, especially the patriarch. And I I just absolutely love this story. I guess I'm the outlier, and I didn't like the story as much. Did love the art by Nguyen. I'm always down for some Dustin Nguyen Detective Comics art. I agree with what you say about Lucius now being much more his own person. But I I feel like this... I'm not a fan of trying to make the child endangerment argument. Because to me, Robin should be an entry point figure. He should be a figure of wonder, inspiration, and excitement. Uh, As Batman and Robin Eternal says, he should be a grin in the dark leading you to safety. Um... And I, I'm really torn about stories like Death in the Family and War Games because I think that, yes, it does lead to interesting psychological ramifications. And, of course, people do die and get hurt in uh, a fight, even a spiritual fight, which I think Batman represents. But I I just don't like looking at Batman that way. I don't think it's a very interesting way to look at batman but isn't it realistic to isn't it realistic to think that someone would like whether or not you agree with them like not everyone can think the same way you do and in universe with limited knowledge and exposure it would make sense that they are just going off of their reality and their universe as they know know it oh yes i i'm not at all saying that this isn't a sensible or a rational reaction i just I feel like we've seen it so often. I don't think this actually sheds a whole lot of light on it. And because it's a a thing I particularly don't enjoy, it rubbed me the wrong way. Um, I also, uh, someone on another podcast pointed out that 
Dick Grayson going out being all vengeful kind of turns him into Jason Todd, which is not Dick at all. So that was kind of a weird choice by Ridley. I don't think he got there. I think Bruce saw him heading in that direction. And I think that's what Alfred was saying to Lucius. He was heading in that direction and and Bruce pulled him back. Bruce did to Dick what he didn't do with Jason. And I think that was the backfire of Jason. So Dick was heading that in that direction, but Bruce basically pulled him back from getting there. And I think most kids that come from trauma have that potential. Well, even kids that don't come from trauma have that potential. And how they react is always differently. So it's possible Bruce tried the same things with Jason that he tried with uh, Dick because they worked with Dick and that just didn't work with Jason because Jason is a different person with different trauma and different brain. And it is true that we see that the initial relationship between Dick and Bruce in the Tom King story, um, The Better Man, where it flashes back to when Dick first came to the manor. He was, in that version, very um, closed off and angry. Um, so I I can see it. I just don't like it. It wasn't <laughs> it wasn't my preferred take. Um, uh, not bad, just not my preferred take. Uh, how do you think this fits with Detective? Do you think it was just sort of thrown in because they needed an extra few pages, or does it connect to what's going on Detective right now? Because honestly, it feels like it should have been like a backup for Second Son, you know. Yeah. I wonder if they wrote it to be put anywhere. I mean, I don't have a problem with it being in tech, but uh, I think it is something that needed to be told to sort of explain Lucius's feelings on things that needed to be told before Second Son ended. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. It it definitely could have been a backup or a digital chapter of second son but of course they didn't do that but it 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 was okay in this issue as well and i just think it may have been placed there just to further tie the the three titles together with, you know, Tech Second Son and, and Batman. And, you know, as I've always been saying since coming back from Future State, this is the most these books have been connected. And I think this might have been a way of just making sure that people don't see Second Son as an outlier, that it is connected. And, um, that's a good it, point. It was, That's a really good point. It, it was just a good story, and, and you know, it just ties everything together. All right. And last question, Steph mentioned when we were prepping. When do you think the main story of Batman and the main story of Detective take place in terms of each other in the timeline? Because for me, because they both started with with Bruce moving in and setting up his new setup. And so it's kind of a wash because they both sort of begin at the same time, sort of. But I guess you could argue that Tech 
is way earlier because we see him literally driving off and then he's like getting house welcomed so i guess you could argue that tech happens maybe a week or two before batman but i just feel like there's too much going on for daytime to be bruce and nighttime to be batman i don't don't think he could divide his attentions quite that severely between these two stories yeah i definitely think i definitely think Batman is more in the future. Uh, if 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 we were to put it all on the plane of what gets us closer to future state, I think Batman is closer to that point than Detective. Because I'm trying to remember when when we got back, Bruce was already set up, you know, at, at, at his new place with the with the caves and Batman. Whereas Detective, he he had moved in, but he was still, you know, trying to establish, you know, the caves and building things out. Because there was that one issue, I can't remember which one of Batman, where he and Ghostmaker were working out in one of the garages that he had built under under the uh, under the penthouse. So I definitely think Batman is farther ahead in the future than than batman i think that's absolutely right um also the fact that um the main title is supposed to be the one that kind of builds toward the biggest conclusion and if you set your secondary titles after the big conclusion it feels like you're running the risk of spoiling the main title Mm. so i think that um it makes most sense for detective to be happening a little bit before. Although there's certainly plenty of times where you could argue that maybe they're happening simultaneously. Like Batman goes from one to the other. If there's any gaps in time, let's give our rating out of five RPGs. (laughs) Um, I was emotionally invested in this book. I liked both backups, even though I wasn't a huge fan of the page count of the What's her butt one? The alcoholic one. <laughs> um, I still appreciate her, her uh, morality, her her justice, um, and I love seeing Bruce. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a four. Can I give it a four? I'm gonna give it a four. You four, can do what you want. For not RPGs, RPG licenses. You better give it a four. I. I <laughs> This was very close to being a four and a half for me. If I was allowed to give it a 4.25 on the site, mm-hmm. I probably would have done that. I think the one thing that kept me from making it a 4.5 was probably the art of the second story. It wasn't the greatest. Just it. it but everything else was just so good. And, and, and you can never... You can never not have enough of Dustin Wynn mm-hmm. on art. That was just so good. So from so on the site, I gave it a four. But if 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 I could just you know change that, it would be a four point two five. It was really good. Do you want to give it a four point two five? I want to give it a four point two five. All right, I um, man. I'm torn because I want to give it a 3.75, but um, the, the variant cover by Lieber Mayho. Now, I'm normally not the biggest fan of Lieber Mayho, 
But he drew Huntress in an awesome action <laughs> scene. So I think that variant cover is going to bump it up to a four for me. The color scheme is so mustard. It's like he drew it with mustard. That's right. The mustard of the sewers. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm typically not a, a fan of Lee Bermejo either. His, his art style is like certain other artists, like... Raleigh Rosmo, his art works in certain things, whether it's cover art or even story art. Like, so for example, the, the work he did in Batman Noir, perfect, made for it. Because again, it's that dark, it's that dark, shadowy palette that, you know, just great. You know, black and white stories, great. But for some, I don't know, I just, I'm not crazy about how he he always draws his Batman. I don't know. It's something something it just doesn't connect to me. But I definitely enjoyed how he drew Huntress in that in that on that cover. But I still end up going with the main cover because you just can't pass up that more. <laughs> All right. So that wraps up. Our ratings. What's our final rating? What is it? Final as a four point oh eight. Um, <laughs> our mode is a four, of course. And let's move on quickly to Greater Gotham. Uh, we have Batman, Catwoman, number five. Thumbs up. Don't hate me, Steph. I'm going to go neutral. <gasps> oh, no! It's okay. <laughs> Thumbs up. Um, the next Batman Second Son, number three. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Yeah, I'd say thumbs up. Um, Urban Legends, number four. This had a Jason Todd story, a Luke Fox Batwing story, written by Cameron Johnson, who's playing Batwing in Batwoman, a Tim Drake story, and a Grifter story continued. Thumbs up. I liked all of them. I'm going to give it a thumbs up, but that that Tim Drake story. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. I'm giving it, it a bad. neutral because it wasn't I bad. Just, I, I just, I can't. That that Tim Drake story and that Grifter story. Is... The Grifter story was hilarious. <laughs> I'm going neutral. <laughs> I'm going um, we've got DC Pride, which has uh, a Batwoman story, a Poison Ivy story, and a Renee Montoya question story. Uh, and remember, uh, you can abstain. Abstain. Abstain is sitting on my stack of stuff to read. I would say that the Batwoman story I'd give a thumbs up to because I really liked how James Tynan has like a poetic retelling of her origin. But, um... The rest of it is kind of neutron, like a lot of anthologies. It's kind of up and down, so it kind of balances out to a neutral for me. Um, Future State Gotham number two. Thumbs up. Oh, and shocker, we know who the mystery voice alley voice is now. Oh, it's Batman. It's, not, it's the least big surprise in the history of surprises. <laughs> I know, right? I'm going to give it a thumbs up, although I do not like the idea of them putting a story that was already in another issue of another comic book as a backup. That was, but they're not that, charging extra for it. Don't care. Don't it, care. It, 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 you could, you could, 
could have easily come up with another story. Hell, you could have made the you could have made the Lucius Fox story black and white and put that Just in, put there. in there. Yeah, that would have been your. I'm gonna go thumbs up because we got some. It, it, there's a lot of bold choices in this. I thought it was thumbs up. I am going to send DC a, a, a petition to do just one issue in true manga style so that we can read from right to left. <laughs> right oh to my goodness. <laughs> that may um, Batman the Detective number three. Thumbs up. I liked it. Neutral leaning up. It was okay, but it's still Tom Taylor, so I'm not going <laughs> to abstain. Catwoman number 32. <gasps> thumbs up. Two thumbs up. <laughs> Three thumbs up is great. Nightwing number 81. <gasps> oh, I don't know. <laughs> thumbs up. <laughs> I mean, if anything, it was a thumbs up for me already until that reveal at the end. And then it became until, until the in where it became two thumbs way up because <gasps> that was not something I was expecting, and so yeah, that's that's two thumbs up for me. Good job, Tom Taylor. <laughs> I'm going with neutral. And <gasps> are you expecting anything else? <laughs> you guys should be happy. I'm reading the darn book. <laughs> um, I'm not gonna fly to Minnesota one day. We're just gonna, oh, he's um, gonna force me Tom Taylor stuff to you. Um, all right, do. so let's have a little conversation about that reveal. Um, the reveal, of course, is that Sonia Zuko, um, purportedly the daughter of Tony Zuko by his first marriage, although I still don't know how that's gonna work with the timeline given, um, uh, what's her name? Timelines don't matter in DC. Timelines don't matter. But she reveals that she's actually, possibly, Dick Grayson's sister. Bum, bum, bum. I thought that this is something that you could very easily become a forgettable storyline. It's going to be, it could be a lie. It could be garbage. It could not matter. She could still be, like, super evil. But I think making her a Grayson... Or at least cl- claiming to be a Grayson adds the potential for her being undercover, or I don't know. I think there's enough potential in it. It's giving Dick some family, which would be awesome. Um, that I think I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt to tell a good story. But this is very easily, very very easily, a craptastic trope. I mean, you could go wrong with this. So so easily. So I'm I'm giving Tom Taylor the benefit of the doubt, and I'm excited about where we're going to go with this. So two things came to mind once I got to that last page, and we get the reveal. First, I just I just knew Tom Taylor had read enough of Ian ranting about the notion of having another Zuko when there was a daughter already in continuity that he just said, okay, let's switch it up some. <laughs> but the the other thing that I got, and Ian and I kind of mentioned it on the Discord as well, was this got, this this looks so much like what we see, what we saw in The Amazing Spider-Man when 
Peter was revealed to have a sister. So I got vibes from that as well. Again, it was a great reveal. I was not expecting it, but that was the vibe I got. I hate it. (laughs) I'm just not interested in secret long-lost siblings who've been raised by (laughs) villains. Um, Sometimes it works out. I mean, basically, that's what Damien is. But I... (laughs) I just, I liked Sonia Branch. I don't like Melinda or whatever this Zuko is who might be a Grayson. Like, I think Dick should be a forward-looking character. I don't really like a lot of backward-looking plots, except for Black Mirror. Um, Like, one of the things I really liked about Grayson and uh, Tim Seeley's run on... Nightwing is they're forward-looking. They're introducing new characters, new potentials, new relationships. Um, so I, I don't know. This this just doesn't excite me. Um, and given my relationship with Tom uh, Tom Taylor as a writer, I'm not as inclined to give him the benefit of the doubt. But he could do something interesting. So I'm not saying it's necessarily bad. I just this trope really doesn't excite me, especially after they did it with Spider-Man giving Peter Parker a long lost super spy sister and i still hate every time she shows up because she's so unnecessary it doesn't add anything to the spider-man stories in spider-man you know it, it doesn't she, they just throw her out there just for the sake of drawing out drawing her out there i think i think there's a lot that can be done with this story especially you know her and her role as mayor and and you know having the, the the crime family, you know, controlling her, per se. So I think there's the potential for a lot more to happen with this story compared to what was done and what's being done in Spider-Man. But it can also just flop, too. In which relation to what you were saying, Ian, about um, looking to the future, it is interesting that they're doing this after he's finally recovered from amnesia. He thinks he's got his life all figured out. I think it's an interesting little thing to do. Be like, hey, by the way, that the past you finally figured out, we're gonna we're gonna spice it up a bit and say, hey, guess what? It's not what you thought. <laughs> I don't know. It is it is a crappy trope in the wrong hands, but I think in the right hands it could be interesting. Papa with a rolling stone, Dick. What do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's move on to our listener feedback. We had some very nice conversations on the Discord this last month. Sorry to interrupt, Master Booth. Ringing your phone now. This needs my attention. We have got Borvolk. I think, I hope. <laughs> Just got my two weeks worth of comics on Wednesday and finally felt safe listening to the podcast. I also like how Tamaki is bringing in old characters and I agree that it's nice having an actual detective story in detective comics. I really hope that trend continues. I also really like Ian's idea about the Court of Owls being a new 52 organization that got integrated into Rebirth World. DC should steal it if they haven't already committed too hard toward that not being the case. I think it's headcanon for me from now on either way. Interestingly, I just read the novel The Court of Owls by Greg Cox, and I used to think that it was a novelization of the comic story by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. 
um, because that series of prose novels um, also includes Mad Love um, and The Killing Joke. And those are novelizations of the comic storylines. However, The Court of Owls novel is actually a sequel to The Court of Owls comic story, which I thought was much more fun than just reading a comic uh, novelization. So that's a little plug for me. We do have a review on the site from like three or four years ago when it first came out. Then we've got Caspian73 says, underrated part of the podcast when Steph does the plug in the middle of the catchy music. I like how Tamaki is pulling old characters like Lady Clayface and Huntress. Old because she hasn't been in a lot recently. And by not a lot, think nothing for like four years or three years. Thank you for the compliment. I was wondering if anyone knew it was me. People used to think I did the intro, and I was like, no, I don't. I didn't do the intro. Maybe we should have you do it, though. Maybe. Um, all right. Well, that brings us to the end of our podcast. I want to thank our patrons. Um, uh, if you'd like to support us, we have a whole support page with links to buy things from Amazon and Lego and other nerdy places. Uh, it doesn't cost any more, but a little bit of the sale does go towards hosting our servers. I want to thank our Bat fans. Um, that's Gerald Green, Joshua Lappin Bertoni, Rob O, Real No Deuces, Tim Garassi, Robert Lewis, Ian Miller, Stephanie Mounts, Donovan Morgan Grant, Stanton's Grave, Donald Townsend, Ed Grouse, Brendan Roberts, Hannah Gar, Captain America, Mary Garrett, Austin Davis, Johnny McCloskey, and Caesar Diaz. Thank you all. Uh, we appreciate your support uh, for helping keep the TBU lights on and the servers hosted so we will see you in two weeks to cover batman and no sorry detective comics and another comic that will be batman related uh the schedule is a little (laughs) off because detective comics as you realize has now gone double shipping so we have to figure out what we're doing for our second comic but there will be two batman comics and we will see you next time i've been ian this is steph And this is Double Ship Theo. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening.